Bad in a Podcast, sponsored by Flyro. This podcast is sponsored by Flymo, home of the hover and the only garden brand that my nan will use. Don't bother asking her about the rest. She only wants a Flymo. My nan loves them. My mum and dad love them. I love them. Everything I've had from Flymo is quality, it's affordable, and it's designed to make caring for your garden easy. From the robotic, which will literally just do the work for you, that's my sort of gardening, to the hovers that will literally glide over the grass, cut it for you, sorted. Anything that makes tidying your garden quickly and easily is a win in my book. Now, my nan bought my hover for me about 10 years ago, probably went old school and got it from a shop, and you can do the same. Or you can hit the link in the description, flymo.com. You get free delivery on all orders over 45 quid. You can't ask better than that. Get it delivered. Get that grass cut. Today's podcast is the best bits from last night's show. We are live every Monday to Thursday, 8 till 10, on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Anywhere, are we anywhere else? Them, just them places at the moment. If you want to watch, if you want to get involved, if you want to phone in, Monday to Thursdays, 8 till 10. Let's press play on it. Hello. Hello. Mate, what happened? I've no idea. I'm having a complete mess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because you sent that link earlier and I thought, like, oh, I'll try that, see if it works. And I tried it and it worked, but then it's disappeared. Uh, oh, no. Um, do you want to do it over the phone? Should we just chat over the phone? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, okay, as long as you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, though. That's all right. Sorry, it's not sort of visual. Doesn't matter, does it? We, at least we get to chat to each other. That's the main thing. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to have you on. I felt like um, I felt like the start of the show. I was basically just waiting for you to come on because uh, because I know last week. I, I, the reason I, I want to talk to you is because all you're doing with um, with schools and community projects and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's been really, really crazy. It's just gone absolutely mad. Um, and obviously my day job is a teacher, and that's gone really mad, obviously, because we're back at school now as well. So, yeah, it, it's really exciting. There's loads of brilliant stuff going on, but it's just crazy. Jane, how long have you been a school teacher for? Um, what year are we? <laughs> <laughs> 20 years. 20 years. Wowza. So you've seen it all. I have seen, yes, I would not even be able to repeat some of the stuff, but yes, I have seen it. I know the tricks as well. I know the tricks. Yeah, yeah you've you found that out to do it, yeah, to make things work. <laughs> well, no, the, the kids' tricks, they think, they think they're doing it new, but no, no, no. We know, we know. It's all been done before. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you start trying to, so you're um, secondary school, right? Yes, yeah. So let's see. There's a reason. I'll tell you what, um, Jane. There's a reason that I don't do secondary school. Is is that is because of them tricks that these kids get up yeah. to. I, I think uh, I usually go to primary schools, but it does it interests me so much about how you can get it into secondary schools because a lot of people say 
oh, it can't be done because they're just kids are just too busy in secondary school? Yeah, it is. It's really, really crazy. I mean, I think mostly when it comes to secondary schools, you get an awful lot of maybe um, special needs schools uh, for secondary who do actually do quite a lot of growing projects. There are more and more schools, uh, secondary schools, who are doing growing projects, but they tend to be sort of for, for those children who have already disengaged, if you like. So they, they tend to be the ones where um, they're just trying to enhance them in, in some way and, and get them interested in something to keep them in education mm. um, and that's sort of that's actually quite sad in a way because sometimes it's almost it looks as if they're being rewarded for bad behavior yeah um, but it isn't really the route necessarily want to go but obviously if we're looking at well-being um, and, and children who need nurturing yeah, sometimes they are the kids who don't behave but not always. Um, and, you know, well-being and, and children and well-being is something which is being talked about more and more. And actually, it's now um, Ofsted requirement for schools to actually have some sort of nurture and well-being in place for students and staff as well. It's, it's, it's definitely... I mean, back when, when I was at school, this sort of thing was never, I don't know, never talked about. Enough. Well, in, in terms of sort of mental health and well-being, yeah, yeah like it, no one ever talks about it. I, I think the pressures are so so different now. Um, obviously, they, they have social media, so you have the pressures from that as well. But, but they have so much on their shoulders, um, and actually, just just GCSEs have changed so much in the last twenty years, and they're not the subjects they used to be. Um, I know for some of the GCSEs I'm teaching now. It would have been A-level content before, and we're sort of trying to get this to 13 and 14-year-olds. So they are stressed to the max, and it's not surprising because they, they have so much going on. Um, and like you said, this, this is a problem really with secondary schools, is because there's so much going on, how do you fit other sort of enrichment activities in to support kids? Hmm. So how do you do it? Um, it's going to be tricky, I'll be honest, <laughs> especially, especially in the current climate. Um now, it's actually, it's actually the kids' idea, this, which is fantastic. We have um, what's called a mobilised team, and it's, it's, some kids have got together um, really specifically with the, the idea of seeing how they can support each other in terms of mental health and well-being and so on. Um, and it was their idea to actually have a growing project. That's cool. Which is really, really cool, because I had no input in that whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I've been sort of like the secret internet teacher uh, for many years they have no idea sort of I do all this online stuff um, so you know as soon as I heard this I was like yes right okay let's get on this um, but it's also really interesting because obviously during lockdown when we were doing remote teaching quite a lot of the things I was doing with the kids was actually well-being based and it was like the uh, the great tomato challenge uh, for example so every single Wednesday I set this little challenge for them and right at the beginning of lockdown, when nobody could get any seeds or any growing equipment or anything, or even go anywhere, I thought, right, what can I do that they can actually quite simply do at home? And it was just the idea of grab a tomato from the fridge, throw it in any bit of muck that you can find anywhere, have a plastic container, plastic bag, so it's plastic, 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 but it was what was to hand, yeah. create a little mini greenhouse, whack it on the windowsill and see what you can grow. And so many kids are just like, actually growing something. I don't think it would work. In fact, actually, some of the teaching assistants who did it as well, I actually grew something. And they're, they're amazed that they grew. And not only that, I mean, the, the whole idea of the competition was um, as soon as the first tomato appeared on anything, uh, we we're going to measure them to see how tall their plants are. And one of the girls 
actually grew a six-foot tomato plant. Oh, wow. I know. That's impressive. And at the time, it was taller than any tomato plants I had in my polytunnel. <laughs> um, and she sent me this photo that stood next to this giant tomato plant. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, really cool. So they really bought into it. And actually, you know, the, the staff and the, the students all bought into it. And one of the one of the kids, again, not knowing my secret identity, <laughs> um, challenged me to a pumpkin growing competition. Oh, dangerous. Very dangerous. But then it's like, Mm, this is quite interesting. So that was actually the next challenge which we managed to start off before the summer holidays. Technically a bit too late to actually sow pumpkins, but, you know, we went with it. Um, and that's really because we had lots of year sixes, so kids coming from primary schools up to secondary. Now, usually we have a nice little transition there where they come to sort of have a little day at the school. They can see what it's about. They can feel a bit more comfortable about where they're going and who they're going to see. So actually having this pumpkin challenge, um, did a video specifically for the primary school to write, right, you're joining in on this. Right, you're, that's you're a good idea. Of this. Um, you know, just to give them that sense of belonging. And I think really reserving that connect as well as the activity, which is really, really important. That's such a good idea because my, so my daughter, she's um, she's five and she's mm. just gone into year, year one and she missed yeah. out on all of that. And even though she's staying in the same school, it was quite nerve-wracking for her. So I can only imagine as a year six that's going into a bigger school. Yeah, uh, to be change. To, yeah, to be part of something, of that school that you're moving into, don't half make a difference, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting because um, I'm not actually teaching any of the year sevens this year. Right. Um, I did pop into one of the classrooms when the teacher was having a techie issue. They asked me for a techie issue. <laughs> I don't usually have such issues, honestly. I'll show them this. Um, <laughs> and I sorted it out and I could hear them this kids going, that's the pumpkin lady. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I just looked at them oh, they're so sweet. I am the pumpkin lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be known as something. I mean, yeah, I, Jane, yeah. I was once known as the alpaca man, uh, alpaca poo man, so don't worry. Oh, yeah, you were talking about alpaca poo the other day. <laughs> yeah. She's sort of big, big money earn. If you ever want to earn some money, Jane, sell alpaca poo. <laughs> well, I have to say, where we, we're going to have the, uh, the plot, the patch at school, um, according to sort of some people who were at the school maybe sort of 20 or plus years ago, it used to be a farm. There used oh. to be a school farm there. Um, so actually, I'm, I'm really looking forward to digging down and seeing what the soil is like because there's a potential. There's some really nice soil down there it's from sort of leftover, sort of well, well-compacted sort of, you know, poo. Yeah, that's brilliant. Do, yeah. Uh, Jane, uh, were you a gardener before all of this? Like, what got you yeah, into, what got you into a, gardening? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of one of those people, and you often hear it as well, and I'm one of them where, you know, my grandparents had a huge garden. Um, so, you know, I have lots of childhood memories of, you know, going picking peas and shelling peas and stuff. Um, and then with my mum, we used to go foraging. Um, so, you know, that's where the cooking side of it comes in. So, yeah, when I, when I first lived on my own, um, I did actually have this really cute cottage in Northampton. Um, and I, I had this big garden and I grew stuff in it and it was lovely. Um, and then I became a teacher and then we moved to a house with a tiny little postage back garden and it was just like ridiculous and really wanted to grow stuff. It's got allotment. Oh, that's cool. And then when did, when did the whole allotment cooks thing come about? Um, that sort of, I think I've probably had the allotment over a year by that stage. The allotment cooks started in 2015. Um, and it was a bit of a whim, to be honest. 
I was sort of, I, I had lots of ideas for lots of things to do with all the produce I had, but then I was sort of had the glut, like most of us do. Um, and I thought, right, I need some more ideas. Um, so I just started up the Facebook page, and then, you know, people started joining, more people started joining, and I was like, quite interesting actually um, and the, the idea of the page was um, it, it is a members page because it allows you to have files in it on Facebook okay. um, so when people sort of suggest a recipe that they've tried and they've tasted and they've adapted and it works really well it goes in the files um, oh, and cool. then next time somebody asks that well it's in the files we've already got it oh wow so it's just a massive database of things you can yeah yeah we've got sort of over 300 on there um, and I think sort of a year in to allotment cooks, sort of some of the, the, the allotment cooks members are, can't find everything. And then they asked me to do a book. So then I, I put a book together, which is actually you know, easier. Um, but still wanted it to be sort of available. So I've, I've gone onto Pinterest as well. I've got the web page, um, which I need to pay more attention to. But life's pretty hectic. Um, but yeah, there's, there's always sort of recipes accessible, which are really, really good. That's good. It's a good... Um... Transition in in um, secondary schools. They, I mean, I'm only knowing from what it was like when I was at secondary school. Mm. But do they still do like cooking in secondary school? They do, although there is actually um, generally the shortage of teachers. Although there's always newly qualified teachers coming through, but through tech teachers there is a shortage. Oh, um, so that has actually resulted in some schools, um, even my own actually not offering cookery sort of a key stage three at the moment it's the GCSE but you know that's likely to go by the way um even though sort of on allotment cooks I'm not actually a trained um food tech teacher and it's it's more than sort of you know making a couple of jams and preserves and stuff yeah it's a lot more detailed than that with nutrition although I know that stuff um you know I've, I've got my, my other teaching roles as well so yeah it's, it's a shame because that is sort of waning a little bit um hopefully that at some point that will actually come back and we'll get more food tech teachers actually coming through but i mean when i was at school in billericay because i am actually an essex girl wait, wait, you lost the accent I know well <laughs> and truly lost the accent i married a yorkshireman and then we moved to lincolnshire oh, that, so you know that'll do it well, I was still wondering if I was going to sort of start picking up the Essex accent by talking to you. I don't know. In about 20 minutes, I might be all white. I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually really posh. I'll just put this on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm at Billericay School. So, Billericay School, uh, they actually had a farm. Oh, wow. There. Um, and it was brilliant. And we used to have uh, rural studies. So, we used to go over to the farm when we were sort of uh, first year to third year or seven, year seven to nine as it is now. And we used to have rural studies or rural science. And, you know, there were goats there, which I think goats have an evil look about them. I don't know. I just don't trust them. I think it's because the goats at this farm were particularly headbutty. Right. Um, <laughs> they generally are. So I've been to a few schools like this before and they generally are for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because, I mean, I'll be honest, this is before I was vegetarian and um, we used to have turkeys in there just before Christmas. And our biggest trick was to run into the turkey pen and shout, pack so. And obviously, <laughs> they'd all start gobbling like mad. Um, yeah, I'm a bit nicer now because obviously I like animals and I don't eat them. Right, okay. I, yeah. We haven't got that in common, but... <laughs> <laughs> You'd eat them. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, it used to exist, although, you know, I sort of... I was curious, so I sort of went on the website thinking, oh, what, you know, what's the old school like now, what are they doing? And it's gone. 
Oh, no. And it's, it's a real shame because it was sort of a dedicated area just away from the school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like a lot of places, I should think, maybe it's been sold for land and, oh, you know, commute about, what can I say? People always ask me, how do you cut your lawn? Ha. Well, the simple answer is, well, uh, let me tell you, I fly more. Flammo, Flammo with daily Flammo, Flammo, Flammo with daily Flammo, Flammo, Flammo with daily Flammo, Flammo, Flammo in daily Flammo, Flammo, Flammo in daily Flammo, Flammo, Flammo in daily Flammo. How difficult, Jane, is it to get other teachers on board? Because one of the things I, I, I know just from primary schools is generally there's always that one teacher that really pushes this sort of thing. There so, have been so much interest. Has there? We're sort of like fighting each other at the moment. And I'm real and truly sort of got my elbows in and going, nope, my feet, back <laughs> off. Um, yeah, but we are fighting each other for it. So, yeah, there is a real um, interest in doing this. Um, because it is, you know, it's grown for well-being and it isn't just targeted at the kids. Even though it's all about the kids, it is the staff as well. Because, you know, we're all going through a really, really horrendous and tough time at the moment. Um, I know that I'm certainly feeling it. I know the staff members are feeling it. And obviously, we're feeling it as adults. You know, goodness knows how the kids are, are dealing with it. But they're, they're doing well. The kids are doing well. That's good. <laughs> is that have you been out of school for long? Or you, how many years have you been out of school for? Have you been, like, have you been to any uh, other schools where it's been school, different? Uh, three and a half years I've been at this school. So and is, uh, the, yeah, they've got this gorgeous old um, greenhouse there. And it's been stood dormant the whole time that I've been there. And every time I've walked past it, I've been like, the greenhouse, it looks really nice. It's a really nice greenhouse, that. So, you know, the fact that the kids have actually said, let's do a growing project. Yes, right, let's bring this greenhouse back to life. That is a project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is going to be tough because, obviously, at the moment, particularly because of the regulations and how we have to conduct our school, staff in schools, uh, staggered break times and lunch times so that we've got bubbles and so on, um, it's going to be really difficult to actually get the time to get the kids on it. However, it, it's going to be a case of, well, if it's for well-being and we've got some kids who are struggling, then that might be a case of, and I have to ask ahead of this, so I might be speaking completely out of turn, um, at Key State Street, maybe t- being able to take them out for lessons here and there to right. focus on their mindfulness. That's, 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 it's, I think it's a really good thing. Like you say, as long as like other teachers and the heads are behind it, I think it's, it makes it a hell of a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was actually the head who sent an email sort of to, to staff who may be interested about three weeks ago. And I thought, yeah, right then. <laughs> um, and then I, I started sort of asking around. You had Mark on earlier, fabulous Mark. Um, just started asking for some donations and bits and pieces. And, and yeah, people have been so amazingly generous already. It's just absolutely phenomenal, the stuff that we've already got. Uh, we still need more stuff. Yeah, so what, sort of stuff what, what sort of stuff... But what would help you? The, the stuff that we're missing, really, really missing at the moment, first stuff is welly boots for the kids. Okay. Because we are in an area where, you know, there are some families who just don't have anything. 
Um, and they may have spent, you know, little money that they have on school shoes. And the last thing we can actually then do is send kids digging in mud in their new school shoes because, I mean, that would just be complete uproar. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wellies would be ideal, you know, a whole load of wellies um, of various sizes is something which we are sort of missing at the moment. Um, another thing is fencing. And that sounds really boring and mundane and uh, all that sort of stuff. But actually fencing off the area because it is for well-being to enable those people who are taking part in this activity to feel safe and secure and have that environment. You know, that's something that we actually need, even though it's not necessarily the first thing you think of with a school's gardening project. Yeah, no, I never thought about that. But it makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm. But do you need much funding for this sort of thing? Um, there are pots of funding which are available. Um, I mean, just thinking about the, the stuff that we've had donated so far, um, obviously we've got the empathy products, which will come from Mark, um, the root grow. We've had um, seeds, which are coming from Sutton Seeds, which is brilliant. We had a local gardener, a local businessman in um, Horncastle, Lincolnshire, where I live. Um, I just put a call out on sort of the local Facebook page saying we need some stuff. And he's just donated like £200 worth of tools. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I know. Absolutely phenomenal. And I just and said, you know, can you please like, you know, keep me up to date with what does, whatever's happening? Because I just really, really like the idea of, you know, getting kids interested in horticulture because it's my business. Yeah. that's Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, the more, especially in secondary school, because in secondary school is more of the time when you're going to be thinking about what you're going to do for a job and one of the things that garden industry has got a big problem with is people not going into it yeah i think um because the school is in boston and i don't know if you know much about boston in lincolnshire it is a rural area um and you know when i was a kid and you you sort of wanted to say job that you were going to do if you failed at everything um you'd come up with something now that the job that you would do if you failed at everything is to go into the fields and pick right so what they're, they're sort of doing is maybe mixing up the idea of agriculture and horticulture because obviously they are so intrinsically linked um, and they see it as the bad mundane poorly paid job it is a heavy job it is unfortunately poorly paid um but yeah that that's the whole idea that they see is growing things is actually going to be a bad job. Hmm. It's, it's, um, it's a tough one to fight, really. Yeah, so it's sort of trying to nurture that idea of, well, this is different to sort of, you know, the back-breaking work that maybe your families, because, you know, a lot of their kids' families are doing that, but maybe your families are doing this is slightly different. This is, you know, this is for the joy, this is for pleasure, this isn't sort of hard taxing work yeah. kind of thing. You must get a good response from the families, especially from, from the area that you're in. Yeah, um, actually, again, again, sort of, as I was saying before, um, about some old students from 20-odd years ago. Yeah, I, I, I did um, a radio interview on local BBC radio um, last week. And uh, this, this guy, just like, he, he sent me a message and he called me a legend. <laughs> <laughs> I've got answers, we called a legend before, thanks. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if my audience my old, is as friendly. <laughs> yes, yes, my old school, you're a legend. Like, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I've been, been um, thinking about recently, and this, I mean, at the moment it's for primary schools, but I don't know if you'd think it would work in secondary schools, mm. is making it a subject, making garden a subject in schools. 
Yeah, I mean, with um, sort of the earlier foundation, um, so sort of reception, it is actually a part of the curriculum. So it should okay. be in there. Um, the idea of sort of the, the wider world, it is part of the curriculum. So actually, you know, if you've got children in nursery or in reception, it should actually already be a part of the curriculum because it's in there. Um, when you get to um, juniors, like Mark was saying, there's more and more emphasis on actual outside learning. I yeah. know when uh, my youngest, he's now in year four, which is a bit scary. But yeah, when he was in year one, it was all right. No, nope, they need uh, coats and wellies because they're going to be outside all the time. Like what in October and November? Yeah, you know, for my baby, really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, that's really good because that's interesting. But you, you're right, sort of, when they get to sort of uh, juniors, it starts to tail off a bit. And it, it could be the idea of, you know, suddenly have the key phase two stats, and then you might have the 11 plus, and it, it suddenly starts to become more regimented, and, and that sort of freedom element starts to disappear. Yeah, it gets a bit heavy then, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think, um, like, just educational wise, your opinion on how things are? Because obviously, Everything's changed a lot since mm. COVID's come along. Do you think education and schools will change or do you think they'll just go back to normal? I don't know. This this is a tricky one because I know that um, during um, lockdown, because um, obviously COVID is still around, unfortunately, during yeah. lockdown, a lot of people across the board, not just in education, but a lot across the board are saying, oh, you know, life has changed. We've seen a different way to work. We've actually sort of had a bit more breathing space and can see that the way that we were living before was too hectic, too much, too busy and not good for us. Um, and then sort of since September, and again, not just related to schools, there's been this big push, get back to work, go do this, do this, this. And suddenly we're all hitting the ground running at 100 miles an hour. And we already seem to have lost that little bit of a lesson that we were learning during yeah. um, lockdown of, we need to take it a bit slower. Yeah, I um, so that's sort of across the board, um, you know, even though obviously people, some people were furloughed, you were working like a Trojan, I was working like a Trojan remotely, but it was different and, you know, that there was a little bit more time to just stop. Yeah, and enjoy family, really. Yeah, that's it. And, and already I think that, that lesson that we, you know, so many people are saying we need to hold on to this, that lesson's already just being thrown out the window because we've been told to get back to where we were when actually we know that where we were wasn't actually necessarily the best thing for us as human beings no. or the planet either you know no i think you're completely right i think i think the main issue is that because it uh because of of covid mm. and it being such a shock and and such a big thing that at the time people thought that way but because it's gone on and continuing to go on longer than anyone really thought. Mm. Um, people are desperate to get back to normality. Yeah, even though, and it's that case again, it's that we've already forgotten that we didn't like that normality when we saw that there was another way to do things. We didn't like the old normal, and now we're like, let's get back to normality. And it's like, but we didn't like it. We need, we need to take the opportunity and, and you know, I'll change something. Um, but we're all in such a rush again. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't anyway, know. we've gone off on a right tangent. I'll quickly want to ask you about your urban outreach project. Yes. Now, th this isn't my project. This is just 
just um, a group that I'm sort of, you know, dipping in and helping out. Yeah. Um, and the Urban Outreach Foundation Project, which is based in Horncastle in Lincolnshire, um, they have worked in Boston as well, uh, which is obviously a, a town, quite a large town in Lincolnshire as well. Um, and they work with a variety of vulnerable people, from homeless people, um, addicts, hopefully ex-addicts, and vulnerable families, um, people who have been through domestic abuse and, you know, trying to change their lives but struggling to change their lives. Um, people and families who are living in food poverty, you know, there's a really broad spectrum of people that they are helping out and especially during COVID, done essential work because suddenly people found themselves with no money to actually buy the basics. Yeah. Yeah, so they are fabulous. So, um, obviously, I was thinking sort of a year and a half ago, I've got a glut. I've got so much stuff that <laughs> I cannot. There's only so many chutneys, even though I make a lot of chutneys. And if you had, if I had the, uh, if I sort of had the camera on, you'd be able to see hundreds of jars of chutney right behind me where I'm sitting in the kitchen at the moment. And I just thought, well, this is a waste. Because I was giving it away, and I thought, well, I need to be giving it to somebody who needs it. Yeah. Now, my worry has always been that a lot of food banks won't take fresh produce. Um, and actually, there's a very good reason for that, not just because obviously it can go off maybe before they can get it out, but also because they may be sending food out to families who are also in fuel poverty, which means they're getting all this fresh pro- produce, but they can't cook because they actually don't have gas or the electric to spare to cook. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people go, well, it's because they don't know how to cook. Actually, it's not necessarily the case. It may be that they just don't actually have the facilities to cook. Um, so the outreach project, uh, taking food in, actually cooking food, and either delivering the cooked meals to people, um, or actually inviting the people, obviously, pre-COVID, to come and eat um, at least once a week to have a hot meal. Right, that's really um, good. Yeah, because it's cooked, you know, there's different regulations around it then. Um, yeah, so, you know, they're, they're really worthwhile um, helping in terms of the food donations. But then they started also wanting to, to find other projects to help support people, their development, their focus, um, their coming together as well. And so that's where we started sort of the growing project with oh. the Urban Outreach as well. So, <laughs> yeah, growing projects everywhere. And you're so busy. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> doing great stuff um, we've got some questions that come up Jane doing um okay. I'll chat uh, Richard says do you enjoy a good barbecue <laughs> is that because I'm vegetarian <laughs> I do um actually I, I have my very own beetroot burger recipe which I'm so proud of because I created it myself and actually it works brilliantly on a barbecue um Beetroot burger and loads of people like it looks really meaty, but it's not. It's beetroot. <laughs> my, um, my brother's a vegetarian, so I get the yeah. Food. And actually, to begin with, I put up a fight, but <laughs> but actually now I really enjoy it. Especially yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I've been vegetarian since I was thirteen, and when I first became vegetarian, my mum was just like, "Well, you can cook your own food then," <laughs> but I think she thought I was just going through a phase and that I'd soon sort of grow out of it. Um, so I started to cook my own food. And when I was 13, there was no Linda McCartney sausages or anything like that. There was nothing in the supermarkets of vegetarians. So you had to make your own stuff. Um, yeah, so you know, I made my own veggie burgers and things oh, yeah. for years. In fact, when corn first came out, I was deeply suspicious. 
not a fan. That's the, let's down, <laughs> let's down the well, whole vegetarian think, you know, community. If you're not eating meat for years, you know, you, you taste something, it's like, this is meat. Yeah, no, no. yeah, very suspicious. I was. <laughs> uh, Stuart Jackson says uh, fencing can be made from willow, and he does it with the children. Oh, nice idea! I've seen it. I've been to his school, and it's, it does. It is incredible. It looks well cool. Oh, I need send me some pictures. Send okay. me some pictures so I can see. Yeah, yes. I like the idea because I have. I know what you mean. Willow fencing. It's beautiful as well. Yeah, but it yeah, send awesome. me some pictures so I can sort of figure out how to how to construct it. I like that idea. You'll be on it. I know. I know, Stu. We'll get on that. Uh, Dan says, "Is there a GoFundMe page that they can donate to?" Oh no, that's not something I thought of. Coming soon. <laughs> oh yeah, coming soon. <laughs> I've not even thought of that. Thank you. Uh, and Lisa says uh, it's it's great to get children growing and planting in schools, which I think we'd, we'd all agree with. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, and as I say, these sort of this, um, 12 and 13 year olds who have sort of growing their tomatoes in, in their houses and sending me their pictures sort of every single week and really excited. You know, we, we sort of sometimes think that children are older than they actually what they are. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, t- I tell you one thing that I've uh, I, I did a school tour with uh, primary schools back in. March, which feels years ago now, but uh, one of the things we talked about a lot during that tour was that getting the kids involved in garden actually gets families in- involved. So if you're getting the kids into the schools involved, mm. then you know I don't I don't know about your school. Yeah, gen- uh, no, it's, it's absolutely right because um, again, and um, just because they're my immediate example um, during the, the lockdown one of the kids doing the tomato challenge, she then sent me a photo of this trough that her dad had built her in the back garden because oh, wow. she was so involved in it. And the dad was getting involved. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, yay, to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, If the kids, kids are doing it at school, they're going to take it back. And, and like, my mum and dad were never really into gardening. And, yeah. um, and I think if I brought stuff back from school that, I've been doing then maybe they would have got into it as well so i really think it's a it's a it's a key part of of what you yeah. do you're getting like families involved as well yeah definitely and and especially when they can see actually it's, it's easy yeah it, you know it's i think uh i think sometimes it can look a bit com- i think like programs like gardeners world mm. can make it look a bit complicated yeah, or a bit scary, or sort of, you know, the garden design programs, which are fabulous and they look beautiful, but they do everything in a weekend, and most people look at that and go, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, right, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do it, would you? No, everyone can, everyone can build a bar in their back garden, but <laughs> over the lockdown, but no one <laughs> can put so it in I know you love a bit of astroturf. Oh, crikey. <laughs> in fact, actually, yes, that's reminding me of a story. One of um, our house captains, because we have a house system, um, I gave him a pumpkin plant before summer because it was a house competition. And he said to me that he couldn't because he has astroturf in his back garden. Oh, no. I am working on him. Well, I am working on him. Well, Mark <laughs> has offered anyone that rips up their astroturf uh, free grass seed and wildflowers. So. Ah, there we go. So right, there you I've, go. I've, no I've, one's took their offer up yet, Jane. So. You know what? Yeah, I've, I've, well, Mark's got the school address. 
that's fine. And then, like, yeah, I'll get a hold of, I won't say his name because that would be really rude. Um, but yeah, I'll have a get, I'll get hold of him tomorrow and say, right, you've had enough of raspberries and wildflowers, get that astro turf up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got one last question for you, Jane, which, um, which I should have added earlier on, but I'll put it in now is, uh-huh. um, one of the things I've talked about a lot, especially over the last few weeks, is over six weeks holiday, obviously no one's at school. Mm-hmm. So how do you think we can keep that garden, or do you keep that garden and going over the six weeks holiday? Because that seems like prime time for growing, yet a lot yeah, of the kids miss that, out on that. Yeah, that's really, really key. Um, one thing that I've got sort of as a, a brother page, if you like, to allotment cooks on Facebook, is I actually have school allotment cooks, which I've had up there, for about four and a half, five years as well. Um, it's not actually a page I've pushed enough, really. Um, but there are quite a lot of garden growers on there for schools. Um, and a lot of them are actually sort of run by the, um, the site staff who live nearby. Um, so it, it would actually be sort of almost relying on those members of staff who do live nearest to the school yeah. to actually do that. And unfortunately, most teachers do tend to live quite a distance away and I, I personally actually live about 20 miles away from my school but then again you know I'd be more than happy at least once a week to go in and, and sort of nurture it but yeah it, again it's, it's down to exactly what it would be doing um, term time is sort of that extra goodwill of people to actually keep on going with it I think that's why we, probably, we won't go for animals um, yeah. because that, that would be extremely unfair you just can't leave animals no Definitely not. Did you, yeah. think, did you think there's a way, and I know, I know that probably the answer is going to be because of health and safety, but do you think there's a way of getting parents to uh, and kids to like be on a schedule throughout the six weeks holiday where they can come in? Would you think that's trouble? Yeah. I mean, there, there's always sort of things that you'd have to do. Obviously, you'd have to put things like putting DBS into place, you know, checking that, you know, that the, there's no criminal backgrounds and so on for parents so that they can legally be around maybe other children and yeah. things like that. Um it would, you know, obviously take more planning, but it's always a possibility. And it would be nice, actually. I know with one of the pots of funding that we've been looking at, one of the specifications of that particular pot of funding is that you involve the community, which would be lovely, actually, like you said, you know, involving parents as well. So it would be nice at the moment, impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something for the future. It, it, something to consider absolutely definitely jane before you go i've got two messages two great messages for you one said uh from stuart who said uh can i pass his email on to you so he can help you with the willow fences amazing yeah and the other is from lisa who said uh jane i know you mentioned you needed wellies for the kids as mm-hmm. a business, we would love to donate and contribute to helping the children with wellies so I'll oh my god make sure they pass um i get lisa's or she might message you but Wow. Um, this is email to you as well. Oh, it's a good job the camera isn't on because you'd see me crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, wow. Thank you, you. So it was worth it coming on, Jane. We've done it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now we just need the chap you were talking to the other day about his sort of, was it a ton of compost for £2.50 or something? <laughs> yeah, we just need up. his compost. That was settled. Sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry about the tech problems. I'm just, I'm not usually that rubbish with technology. I just had a mare. I just had a panic. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jane, thanks so much. And, um, and yeah, I'll get them emails over to you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely. Really lovely. Awesome. So, right, speak to you soon.
right, take care. Bye. Bye. There we go, everyone. Wow, that's nice, isn't it? Lisa, Stu, I'll get your um, I'll get your emails at some point, or you can contact Jane direct if you fancy. But uh, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Thanks so much, Jane. That was such a great chat. I really enjoyed that, and we just find out so much more. Like we've got a few um people. We're gonna have quite a few people, you know, around kids, family gardening, that sort of thing. We'll get Dimmock at some point if you want, Ian. I know you want uh Dimmock on, but. You know, this is what I'm about. I'm about getting kids and families into gardening, and uh, you hear such great stories like Jane's. And through this community, this phone in, uh, we get great people like you that uh, really want to help out. So, um, yeah, thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you fancy giving it a review, then five stars only. You know the score, just five stars. Write what you want after that, can't you? But five stars in your podcast app. Uh, thanks to Flymo, flymo.com for all your Flymo needs. And uh, yeah, if you want to get in contact, it's lee at skinjingarnet.co.uk or on the socials. And remember, we go live Monday to Thursday, 8 till 10 on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube and Twitter. This is a Skin and Gin Gardener podcast sponsored by Flymo.